the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work. We acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ngunnawal, Ngambri and Darawal people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. We recognise their enduring connection to this land, their culture and their ongoing contribution to these regions. We also recognise and pay respect to the elders past, present and emerging of the Ngunnawal, Ngambri and Darawal nations. May we all continue to learn from and support their rich cultural heritage and work towards reconciliation and mutual respect with Australia's First Nations people. G'day, you wonderful human. It's Matty C here. We love that you make time to fit us at the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show into your day, and we want to help even more fantasy football players, no matter where you're from. To do this, we need your help. If you can tell just one person this week about our show and share where you listen to us, we'd be really appreciative of the support. Testimony from you who already join us and are part of our team really does help us reach new people. Also, giving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app helps more people find the show, and it's more effective than you'd think. It's free, costs nothing, and takes just a moment of your time. We'd really love if you could help us so we can keep helping more people. Now, we ain't here for a haircut. Let's get into it. This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. B. John Robinson was the first string running back. City Lamb, Devontae Adams, Garrett Wilson and Armin Ross and Brown. DK, Debo, Keenan Allen. Aussie. And then CMC. I'm going to go Debo. Equidistant. Bet you didn't think you'd be hearing that word when you got up this morning. NFL. Gibson, Dylan. Travis Kelsey goes at five. Charbonnet and Penny. Yeah. <laughs> I know it because you do not want to take Devonta Smith. You will just not fucking do it. Fantasy. Chig Onkonkwo and Damien Harris go next to wrap out the 12th round. Alan Lazard and Kendra Miller go in the 13th. All I know is Russell Wilson's shit. This is the Aussie NFL fantasy show. It's an absolute ass. <laughs> whole position 100 percent for the aussie gridiron network this is the aussie nfl fantasy show i'm maddie c joined my esteemed colleagues manjot from the pastry press nfl how are you brother i'm doing good man back, you glad to be good. back you're looking comfortable brother you're looking comfortable no one's more yeah. comfortable than taylor though he's gone ahead and changed a whole bunch of rankings and he's feeling really really good about himself aren't you Tay? yeah smug as a rug mate uh, absolutely loving it and uh, look, I get to talk shit about Russell in this episode. So look, I I'm smiling like a shishi cat. He's fucking up for it. If you haven't caught the uh, NFC West episode, it starts with actually some very animated conversation around ranking. So make sure you catch that. Uh, Manjot playing his part as Molly Karam, I think, was his role on um, on a little bit of hot take. And I don't know, it was it was it was quite something. So go and check it out. It's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, we're going to cover the AFC West today, and we're going to do it with some vigor because, mate, there are some guys to talk about. But at the bottom of this division, and this is how we've been doing it each week, we've looked Ugh. at it in terms of where did the teams finish in last year's rankings. So as, a, as the show goes on, we're talking about more players, and we're going to try and eliminate the guys you don't need to think too much about. So, guys you don't need to think too much about, Taylor, how much should I be thinking about Jimmy Garoppolo when it's about fantasy football? Because I think about him a lot when it's just about how handsome he is. So handsome, and that's where it ends. Uh, look, he gets possibly the best wide receiver in the league. That's obviously a help. I think me and Joe brought it up on the last show, talking about the Niners. Like, you know, I, I actually think Purdy is a better fantasy asset than Jimmy is. So I just don't think he's really fantasy relevant. Like, he gets a slight boost, obviously, having Devontae Adams. But, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not trusting Jimmy J. I would rather take a shot on almost every other starter. Hey, Manjot. Surely you've got a bit more belief in Jimmy G. 
the last time. I think he's dead. Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm here. He's there. I, okay, don't okay. Have, I don't have any belief in Jimmy G. I just waited for you to finish that that sentence, honestly. I'm going to ask you the question, though, okay? Because the last time we saw Jimmy G be a reasonably decent fantasy quarterback, he was making guys like Debo Samuel a top 10 wide receiver. Why, why can't we believe in him now? Because, honestly, he's so inconsistent. Can't throw a deep ball. Can't, he has no arm strength. He has no mobility. He's just absolutely mid. The most mid-pocket pass you could ask for. <laughs> there is absolutely no fantasy value in a guy who is so mid at being a pocket passer. There's absolutely nothing. The only rushing work he gets is quarterback sneaks on either fourth and one or at the goal line. It's just you can't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to lead your, your fantasy football teams this year. So please do not be doing that, guys. Come on, man. He rushes to a strip club. He'll rush to a strip club. Yeah, Tay's right. He'll 100% rush there, especially if it's more than oh, a yard yeah. away. Any fantasy, of that? Any fantasy points for that? Oh, I think so. Depends on the league. Depends on the league. Yeah. I can't even believe Matty C ranked him in the top 25. Yeah, that, at 25, um, by the way. <laughs> yeah, at 20. That's still way oh. too high. Is it a PPPR league? Uh, points <laughs> per one star rooted? <laughs> <laughs> points per pole dancer right there. Yeah, he scores high. Uh, but we think that Josh McDaniels can get something out of Josh Jacobs, even if he's kind of not been at camp. So, I don't know. I feel like maybe we're being a bit rough on Jimmy, but Josh Jacobs... He's a polarizing guy because what do we think about this stop-start thing with him in this offseason? Do we believe that he can live up to the hype after a great season last year? I mean, goodness, he came out of nowhere. Yeah, I think he, I think he can. It just depends, though, on his situation. His contract is really up in the air. Um, I just don't know because he can really miss a few weeks and that will impact his entire situation. So I don't, I don't get it. I, I just don't know right now where to rank him. So I'm gonna wait and see what what goes on with his situation at the moment before I commit to him in too many leagues, too many drafts. I haven't drafted him once. Tay, we've kind of got him in that bottom half of the top ten, that eight kind of range. I've pulled him all the way out to eleven because the longer he's not around and the longer this thing lingers, I just can't imagine that that's going to help him on the field. What say you about Josh Jacobs? I was so high on him, obviously, before all this happened. Like, I think yeah. I had him at three. Like, I was I just drafting everywhere. And I've dropped him back down to eight now. Um, I'm still really high on him if he's there. Like, I, I'm I'm not so much worried that if he doesn't get all the time in camp because I just think he's trusted enough. There's not really anyone else that's going to steal stuff from him. He, he, he's the guy. They're going to need him. He, I believe in the um, top-ranked players that was ranked by the by the players, he was the number one running back in the league. I think that is right. I think yeah. he came in at like 12th, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah he came in, like yeah, yeah. 11th, I think it yeah. was, yeah. Which to make his own players again. say so. His peers say that he's the best running back in the entire NFL. Which is amazing. And you saw the year he had last year, absolutely broke. It was just absolutely dominant. So I'm not so worried about him. If he's... I'm, I don't believe he's going to miss two, three, four games. I think he's either there at the start or he's just fully out. Like I I don't really think there is an in-between. So I, I fully expect him to be there. When that is, I don't know. Uh, but I, at this point, I'm not dropping him any lower because if he does turn up, I'm probably going to be a little bit higher than eight. 
and and then I'm just going to wait there at eight until I see it. And if he's not there week week one, then I'm just going to punt him, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take for me to draft him. But I guess the thing is we're also not ranking uh, either Damian Williams, who's been signed in the meantime, or Samir White. Like, we're just completely stepping over him. So, yeah. it's Jacobs or Bust by the look of it. Uh, either wide receivers, I don't think there's a ton of analysis for Devontae Adams. We all think he's on the edge of that top five and just depends on where your flavor of whether he's fifth, fourth, sixth. All of it's right. It's all right. He's going to be a terrific receiver. Um, is there anyone else we want to talk about here? <clears throat> Hunter Renfro. <laughs> yeah, Hunter Renfro, I was going to say. <laughs> I think he's going to have a better role this year. I know it was a bit harder last year. He did obviously have some costly fumbles here and there. I think this year, though, he'll get it all right, especially with Darren Waller leaving. There's going to be a big target share left behind. I think Hunter Renfro is a natural guy to get quite a bit of that. So, honestly, I think his fantasy value will rebound a little bit. We've gone ahead and ranked Jacoby Myers, though, too, Tay. Yeah. Is there room for both? No. That was going to be my point. I, oh, I, yeah, Jacoby. I, I Is everything's like- getting the snap share? I don't like Myers or Renfro because they're both there. And I just think it's yeah. all Adams. And like me and Joe just talk about how mid Jimmy G is. Uh, I think it's a I think it's a pretty significant downgrade on Derek Carr last year. So if all yeah. of a sudden you're getting a worse quarterback, um, Devontae Adams is still there and you've got Jacoby Myers coming in. Uh, I just think that just ruins both of those guys, to be honest. Fair enough. I've got a really mid yeah. quarterback to talk about again in a minute too, but we're going to skip straight up past tight end. I don't care who the heck the person in the tight end jersey is. They're not going to be fantasy relevant unless they feel yeah. a Darren Waller role, and nobody here is thinking anyone's going to do that. So Las Vegas Raiders, thanks for coming. We've literally talked about three players, and we threw Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers in there just to make sure we didn't skip over you too quickly. It's been nice, but when we go to Vegas, oh, we cover every player. Team. We've covered every player this <laughs> off season. We're almost there. Almost there. Just and, and check there. this out. We've got um, only the Denver Broncos. I was in Denver early in the year. Didn't see Russ because I think even when it's not football season, I don't think there's any reason for him to be around town. I don't think anyone misses him. <laughs> Tay, you love yourself some Russ this year, don't you? Oh, mate, so good, yeah. Tell me all he about really, it. He really showed, you know, exactly why there was such hype about him going to Denver. You know, spent 600 first-round picks on him and – you know, paid him a zillion dollars to be there. I think they paid him about a trillion dollars per fucking pass. I think more of his passes ended up in the bloody fucking stands than they did end up in anyone's hands. But, you know, I was so glad that I talked up Colton Sutton with him last year because he just turned Sutton into a fucking Muppet. But anyway, thanks, thanks Russ. You're an absolutely awesome quarterback. And, and it's you're so humble about it too. Like, you, you act like such a great guy and, your teammates don't hate you at all. Like, you know, your old teammates don't come out and give you shit all the time. So, you know, you had a great first year. You pretty much ruined a franchise. And I can't wait to see this year when everyone, for some reason, talks himself into you again as some bounce back because Sean Payton's there and you do absolutely nothing. Can you believe how quickly he uh, made a franchise that hadn't been to the playoffs for like eight years, a team who hasn't been to the playoffs for nine years? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just added a year, added a digit. Yeah. Like, don't you think that's just brilliant, man? John, he's uh, he's he's slid right in. <laughs> yeah, he's playing chestnut checkers exactly. Hundred percent. He's uh, looking like a young Trevor Simeon. Um, <laughs> 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 
Um, I think we could. I think we could say, Russ, not going to be a big deal until we see it. So I'm not going to press you on it, man, Jod. I'm really interested in your take on the running backs because you've actually been a real Javante defender. How do you rank him now since we don't actually know what he's going to look like coming into the season? Haven't really seen him carrying the ball. We know he's doing straight line speed stuff. What are you doing with Javante? What does it say about Piron? Yeah, I've, I've ranked him lower. I've ranked Javante lower this season. I think, you know, yeah, with where Javante is at, yeah, I don't even think I ranked him actually now looking at the document. I just wasn't sure about his knee injury. I think he's definitely, if if he's playing though in like week one, I can see him top 30 for sure. He definitely deserves a ranking next to his name. Uh, if I, I think there is an outside chance he's playing at the start of the season. It's just, yeah, his return from injury is very quick. It's quicker than expected. We had, we feared the worst for him. He's coming back this year, though. It's real good to see. I just want to see Javante, though. In fantasy, he's got to be a bit more consistent. He's got to get more carries. Like, the way they absolutely fucked him over last year. Let me just... I just got to start there, man. Like, I was full on... All in on the hype last year. Took him in Astro. Took him everywhere that I know. And my mom, even, like, I tried to get her to play fantasy just to take Javante Williams to show that someone else was also taking Javante Williams too. Because I was just all in on this Javante Williams hype. And then once, once you know, Melvin Gordon fucking week one, they give him two carries on the goal line that should have been for Javante and Javante you know, I, I don't know why they kept assisting with this Melvin Gordon dude, which is probably why I hated how Melvin Gordon in the end had a Super Bowl ring. But anyway, I digress, you know, just saying that Javante should have had more of a chance. I just think, you know, this year with Sean Payton there, I hope Sean Payton's smarter than the fan who hacked it and actually gives Javante Williams the chance he deserves. All right. Well, fair enough. But knowing that there's a question about him starting, Tay, you and I have hedged quite a lot. We, we sort of ranked 40 and 50 guys between us, and we've put Javante on that, like, 30-ish. And then, I mean, gosh, we've got P. Ryan either outside 40 or near 40. So neither of us really know what to do. Um, what's it going to take for you to feel like you've got to make, an, make a move on ranking P. Ryan? I'm going to rank Piron. It was one of these ones that I've sort of just held off and waited. I I probably should have just put him at like 40 and just sort of waited on that. But I will be because I'm actually kind of bullish on him. And I spoke earlier in the preseason about that I think this team's going to be really predicated on the run. I think Sean Payton's coming in. I've talked it up till the cows come home that I think he's taking the ball out of Russell's hands. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I think they're actually going to have a great defense again and they're going to try and win low-scoring games. Not that I think they're going to be able to do it against the fucking Chiefs and the Chargers, but uh, I, I think they're going to try and do that with their good defense. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot more P. Ryan than we probably realize. I'm in on Javante. Obviously, I just took him in uh, Dynasty, so he's definitely my boy now. I've stolen him off the job. Um, <laughs> but the fact <laughs> is, right, the, the fact is that he didn't walk into the start of camp on the pup. That was massive to me. Like I could not believe it. Like I was so surprised by that because everyone can go on the pup at this point. Like It doesn't mean anything. You don't miss games because you're on the pup this point of the year because they can take you off at any time. So for him to just come straight in and just go straight into a workload uh, in preseason, I thought that was a huge like tick for me to say, I actually think this guy's going to get 
worked in more this year than we probably thought. So I, I still don't think that's bad for P. Ryan because I still think he's going to be completely relevant in this team too. I just think it's going to be a huge split, but there is going to be a lot of work. So I can't really have them higher than like, you know, I think Javon Day's the better player. So I've have him higher and he's going to be like right on the edge of 30. But I'll probably have P. Ryan not that far behind him. I'm thinking it's going to be like a 30 and 35 sort of situation. I mean, I've done the ultimate hedging on 33-35 now. So, I mean, that's- yeah. yeah, you're pretty much the same as me. But I think they're going to be – I think specifically P. Ryan is going to be very good value in drafts this year. Like, he's the kind of guy I think I'll probably take in those later rounds as well, like running back 4-5 or something. I actually, I actually think he's going to get a lot of work. Well, I think early on it's probably wise to have your eye on that situation. We're not going to know a heap about it probably until the third preseason game. We're just probably yeah. not going to know much about it until then. And that's not going to be until, oh, goodness, that's only Astro League draft weekend. How good's that? Oh. Uh, Manjot had better have got his rest before that because, mate, we, we've got oh, an yeah. announcement to make around <laughs> our team. And we've announced it to the league, but we'll uh, we'll talk about it on the show after we get through these um, after we get through these divisional previews. Uh, the mm-hmm. only other guys I w- thought were worthwhile here, in pass catching, clearly Jerry Judy has just become the guy in the wide receiving core to talk about. Last year... Tay, you were pretty hot on Cortland Sutton. Hotter on Cortland Sutton than you were on Judy. That whole thing's changed. Walk me through that. Yeah, I just felt like from the half year point and on, it just was clear to me that Judy was the guy. And and that was hard to see sometimes because Russ was just throwing pies everywhere. So it was actually hard (laughs) to see, but he was just the target leader. Um, you, you definitely saw it in the last like four or five games. Judy just sort of took off, and and Sutton just wasn't getting the looks, and it, ju- it just wasn't going his way. I've I've ended up ranking Sutton at least in my like top fifty or whatever amount of guys I did because I think the Tim Patrick injury was a huge reason. What? Well, sorry, before he got injured was a huge reason as to why I wasn't in on Sutton at all as well because I just thought if there was going to be three guys taking it. And, and like Russ's shithouse pie, um, like God knows how many yards he's going to throw for and you've got to split that up over three guys. I just thought that wasn't going to be good for Sutton because I thought at best he was going to be the second. He could have even been the third on that receiving core. So now at least he's second, but I don't like it at all. Like even Judy, I'm finding myself not taking him where he's going at ADP because I just don't see the upside for him because I just think Russ caps his upside. I just don't think this team's going to throw enough. Um, I don't think Russ is going to be good enough or efficient enough with what he's doing. Uh, I just think Sean Payton's going to run the ball a lot of this team. And so I just don't think Judy's going to get huge volume. He's going to have spike games. Uh, You're going to see the talent. He's easily the most talented wide receiver they have. Uh, but I'm finding myself, like I said, not taking him at his ADP either. So I'm probably just out on all of them. I mean, look, they've got a reasonable defense on him, but Manjot, is that going to be enough to keep him in games where they can just run, run, run? Or do you think that this is going to be a team that's going to have to pass and they got to go yeah. somewhere? I think with where they where they are at as, as a team, I think with where Ross is, where Sean Payton is, if Sean Payton can revive Ross, then these guys got real potentials to be steals. But that is a very big if, I reckon. I think Russ and Sean Payton, it's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's going to take a bit of time to get adjusted to, a bit of time of getting used to. But honestly, yeah, it's tough to think um about, yeah, whether they can actually get the best out of Judy and Sutton for fantasy. 
So I'm probably leaning towards more where Taylor is and saying, yeah, I might not have them where they need to be. Like, I might not draft them where they are being drafted at. Is that thing of just hating where they, they cost you? Because Jerry Judy is currently costing you in an ADP around what a DK Metcalf is. There is no yeah. fucking way I am making that decision. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I've just got to face that I'm not going to own Jerry Judy practically anyway. I'm the lowest on Metcalf out of all three of us, and I would take Metcalf in a half. Yeah. My fucking sure. So I think that tells us a lot about that situation. I've gone ahead and ranked Sutton. I can't believe that no one else has, but I I, I guess I'm the believer that their defense isn't going to be good enough to keep it in games and, uh, and the ball's going to go somewhere. I thought I chucked a ranking on Sutton, but maybe I haven't. Maybe. Uh, I mean, we had him pretty low too, so it's... <laughs> Hey, no, you're still unranked, but I mean, I've got him at 43, so it's not like I'm a big believer. Manjot threw a 35 in on him that he might want to revise, but I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe that's the right range. Um, and then we've all got. Mid. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we've all got, um, you know, we've all got Jerry Judy in the, like, the 20s, which I think is about right. But when you're saying, hey, look, Metcalf is probably not getting outside the top 15 when it comes to our, our like, overall. Um, then, yeah, to put Jerry Judy anywhere near that seems a little absurd. So, the, the only other guy I think is worth having a great chat about there is that, that Greg Dulcich came yeah. out of nowhere last year and kind of took over what we all thought was going to be the Albert O uh, world yeah. when Noah Fant got traded. And then, um, actually, Dulcich has been fantastic and he's a really cool little guy. But he's also not getting drafted like he's going to, you know, knock a hole in fantasy. Um, is this just a case, man, Jot, of if you're the last guy to get a tight end, how lucky do you feel? Yeah, I think I think he's a good guy if you wait for tight ends. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. It's probably just a case of yeah, tight end just sucks. To be honest, if he's yep. your like tight end one, it just shows how much of a lack of depth of position there is. There's just absolutely no value in him being like your tight end one. I would say. But I think that's probably the price most will pay. Like, that's probably the thing most people will get if they wait for him in drafts. So I recommend, I mean, I wouldn't mind having him while waiting for him in drafts, to be honest. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting spot. But, yeah, get him late. But, yeah, he's probably, like, the worst guy you want. Not the worst guy, but, like, he's not a good option. If you're on a good T one. I mean, look, you're getting him in the same sort of range as go like I don't know, Everett, Higby, you know, any any guy who's just, you know, not compelling enough to have a top ten ADP. And as soon as you're not in the top ten for ADP, then does it really matter, right? So um, I'm not I, gonna bother. Can I oh, touch take- on that? Sorry, quickly, Matty. Uh I was looking at him as a late uh dart throw at tight end. I'm yeah. not anymore. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but he actually hasn't even been named as their tight end one. Adam Troutman has. And mm. I'm, I'm not saying that that 100% matters. I know some of this stuff isn't like exactly what's going to happen. But even based off some of the preseason games or the preseason game they've had, um, Troutman was actually getting as, as many looks as he was. So my worry is that if he's all of a sudden splitting tight end work at this Denver team, who I don't think is going to be great at passing anyway, uh, I, I I just can't do it. Like I, I'm not even gonna take him as a dart throw if that's happening. So I'm a little bit worried because Troutman had was touted a bit at the Saints. Like I, I I know he never really hit any heights or anything like that. But if they see him as a good enough tight end to be on the field, it's at least gonna take snaps away from Dulcich. So 
I'm at the moment, I would take those guys you mentioned, like Higby and Everett and stuff. I would take them over Dulcich. Well, you see, mm. I I don't think it changes Dulcich at all because he was already sharing a lot of slaps with Albert O, and he was the passing yeah. target where Albert O was not the passing target. So just having two on the field didn't seem to matter too much. But uh, but I understand the concern. I, I totally do, and I wouldn't say you were wrong. Um, what I would say you're wrong about is if you didn't love Justin Herbert, because I know you're married to him, and I'm going to go to you first. <laughs> Tell me about his fantasy outlook because the LA Chargers, uh, they're, they're just fun for fantasy, right? Boner, boner, boner. Um, I I really like, honestly, all of them this year. And and I've, I've said this so much. I know like we, we obviously recycle a lot of our, like it, what we're thinking, obviously, all the time. But just the offensive coordinator change, I think it's going to make such a massive difference. You saw what he was able to do at the, at the Cowboys, and and like they were basically running like the most old school offense last year. It was just all dink and dunk, and I know a lot of it was because they had so many injuries at wide receiver, which again, yep. what I'll get to is a reason I I think there's going to be positive regression. You also had Herbert, mm-hmm. but he you know just get destroyed in week two and was barely able, yep. able to breathe for the rest of the year. Like I think that's a I think you. Like the ability to breathe is normally, you know, up there with one of the best skills you need in a quarterback or a person, really. Yeah, um, in life. Just in life. Uh, so I just think that I, this team is only getting, there is no way they get worse than the passing game from last year. It's only going to get better. I know people were burnt by Herbert who drafted him last year, but I'm telling you right now, like the sky's the limit for him this year. Obviously, not having the rushing game. Sometimes it can cap him a little bit from sort of like busting into that top sort of two, three range. But I just think he's going to go to the moon this year in terms of his pocket passing. And I just think that's going to be enough to well entrench him into that top five. Uh, and I just think the Chargers, like, you know, I, I'm not, I, I think the Chiefs obviously are still going to win this division, but I think the Chargers are going to turn a corner from last year massively. It's funny how, too, the Chargers can just turn up and and kind of beat the Chiefs one of the two games they play every yeah. year. But I don't know. Every time he's played against the uh, the Chiefs too, he's never been embarrassed. He's always sort of shown up. Yeah. So, look, I will we'll get Mandrot to go straight into the wide receivers part because this is really where Herbert's predicated on because he's not running. Um, and these three, if they stay healthy... Sound like they could really tear this league up, Mandrot. Even their new rookie mm. actually looking great. Yeah, I think with Hobbit and its wide receivers, I mean, oh boy, there is some value out there, I think, for Hobbit. I think, you know, he's obviously got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams coming back. If they stay healthy, obviously that's a big if because last year both of them went down. But I think Quinton Johnson, bit of a wild card they've thrown in drafted him out there in the back of the first round of the NFL draft. I think in fantasy, he's going quite late. Obviously, as a rookie, you still need to prove yourself before you can get drafted highly in fantasy football. I think Quinton Johnston, I mean, there was talk like maybe some mock drafts, he could go in the top, I think top 10 maybe they're saying, top half of the teens. I think that's where they're saying. So, Chargers may have got steel, who knows? But with with Johnson, I think with Johnston, sorry, I should get that T in there. Um, in the I should get that T in Johnson there. Um, but uh, yeah, Johnston, I think he's going to be 
I think he's going to be a decent enough receiver. I think he's going to get quite a bit of work, but I think his development is more next year. He's going to have that sort of breakout because I just think Keenan Allen and Mike Williams will carry the ship from here, but if they're healthy, but there's injuries. I think Quinton Johnston will have such a, such a huge upside. So I'm looking out for him. You and Taylor are so cute too. You've both got Keenan Allen at 16. You've both got Mike Williams at 32. You guys are so sweet because we know who they are, right? That's the, what drives that, Taylor. You can you can just put them exactly where you think they are because we know who they are. They've been in the league for a lot of years and and this offense has worked a certain way and we, we know what role they take up. So not a lot of surprise there. But I need to hear what you think Quinton Johnson's going to do to these two though. Well, Put it this way, like, the fact that all three are there gives me hope that the passing offense is going to be great because they're all there. Like, and let's say there's an injury early like you saw last year because they didn't have the depth. It just ruined everything. Whereas because they're all there, I I just think it helps the offense in general. I'm with Manjot that I think QJ is going to take a little while. Like, I I don't think he's going to hit the ground running straight away. But you've obviously got... Uh, Mike Williams, like who just can't stay healthy at all. Uh, And then he's sort of the big play guy anyway. I'm really in on Keenan Allen this year. I think this is his swan song. I think he's going to really, really hit the ground running this year with Herbert. Um, And he's just such a great route runner, even at his age. Like, I just think if he can stay healthy, he's going to be great. Uh, And I just think he's going to beat his ADP. Mike (laughs) Williams, like I said, is a bit... I'm not 100 sure about him because every time I feel like you can trust him, you, you can't. <laughs> he either gets injured or he just he throws out a zero. He can goose you. Um, QJ, I think, is going to be relevant if obviously one of the other two go down. Uh, and and if they're all three healthy, which I really do help for the Chargers, I think he'll have flash games, but I don't think he'll be consistent enough to, to be able to be like happy starting him each week. But... I still think he's worth drafting just at that shot that if someone else went down and you've got a one, you know, probably a top five offense in the league this year. Uh, so I think there's fantasy value there, but if all three are, are healthy, I don't see him having a full breakout. Well, look, okay. So we've got the, the wide receivers done. It's just only now if we want to touch on a tight end because Gerald Everett's kind of like a last guy throwing, right? Yeah, shout out to him. Shout out to him, by the way, for carrying us an Astro last year. He was our best player for most of the most of the season. You think we draft shout him out. again? Yeah, I think we should. He can come to our should. university. <laughs> yeah, he can come to Pastry State University. He's ready. <laughs> Pastry <laughs> State <laughs> University. Yeah. yeah. Gerald Everett, Pastry State University. Are, are we going to be one of those academic universities or are we just going to be one where we don't give a fuck and it's just about how you play on the field? <laughs> I think it's just about how you play on the field, honestly. Okay, cool. 100%. That's just like a real it. college. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Peace to the resistance time. Kansas City have been just a fantasy factory for a very long time. Man, Jot, you'd love to see for yourself a piece of Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah, of course, man. He's the number one quarterback in fantasy football. There's not really much you can say. I mean, I can go on all day, probably have a university thesis on Patrick Mahomes' entire career and his greatness. But the simple fact of the matter is Patrick Mahomes is going to finish QB1 this year. It's just a it's just a given in fantasy. I just feel like in the NFL in general as well, he's definitely the best. And fantasy is the best. Very rare that you can have a QB be the best across the board in both fantasy and real life. 
man, Patrick Mahomes going to go down as one of the goats. Already, I think he's got an NFL-worthy career that if he retired today, you'd have to consider him as a Hall of Fame player. But 100%. fantasy, oh, man, I think you could say the same thing. If he retired today, I'd still consider him fantastic with fantasy for all the times he's just pulled people out with a 45-point game. <laughs> just <laughs> out of nowhere. Throws four touchdowns in a quarter or whatever. Tay, you don't have him at one, but you don't hate him. Clearly, we're still believing in Patrick Mahomes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. The only question we're ever going to have is, how long until he becomes the GOAT of all time? Like, he, will he get catch Tom Brady as the greatest of all time? I think he's on a trajectory to get there. And I think it's going to be something we're going to be watching for the rest of his career because he's just unbelievable. He can do things that no one else can do. And that's not just current players. That's players of all time. He's just yeah. a freak. He he lifts the he lives the lifts the swell, basically. So, basically, there's no downside to his teams every single year. He just lifts the tide and there is just no way this team's going to ever be struggling to make the playoffs every single year. Uh, while he's healthy, they're just going to be always a contender to win a title and I trust him in every playoff game, every regular season game, any big moment. He is just unbelievable. There's nothing else I can say. Yeah. Even in the best football in the world, which is like playoff football, an offense led by Mahomes has failed to score 30 points in a game just twice, just twice. It was that one where they scored twenty five at home against the uh, against the Cleveland Browns, and then that Super Bowl where they didn't score, and that's it. Aside from that, even games yeah. he's lost, he scored over thirty. It's amazing. He is the tide that raises all the boats. I really love that saying, Taylor, because we've got a lot of boats to talk about. There are possibly as many as three who might need consideration fantasy at running back, and they are guys like Isaiah Pacheco, and then Jerick McKinnon and uh, chronically emitting horseshit. Is that his? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that uh that that nickname is a really uh, stood the test of time because I, I was actually I was actually saying that when he was kind of fantasy relevant and he's actually just gotten worse and worse ever since I said that. So funny, he's emitting it like volume volume of emission mm. is high, and and like I mean that's a season two reference, and here we are in season four. It's in its third oh, year, man. It's wait, it's Maddie, just a question. Wait, with that stat you said, was it thirty points in a playoff game? Yeah. Yeah, okay, because he definitely scored like 24 against the Bengals uh, in the 21 AFC Championship game. Oh, I don't boom. think. Yeah, so I don't think that stat's even. I think that stat's a bit old there, man. Might be irrelevant think, now. But gee. Yeah. <laughs> when your bad day is 24 points and the Bears can't score 24 if you put them against 12 year olds, then it, it just tells me a lot about this guy. The, the guys we need to talk about are Pacheco, who've got all sort of ranked in that back half of the 20s. Uh, what does it take for us to pick him up now? Like, where's his upside? What, what's what's good about drafting Pacheco? Because I've somehow never drafted him. Man, John, I've seen you take him. What, what leads you there? I think there's a little bit of upside. It's just mainly the goal line work, red zone work. I think there's a bit of receiving upside, obviously, being Patrick Mahomes' RB1. You get a bit of that Patrick Mahomes bump, I reckon, from me. So, look, I just think Pacheco's got quite a nice sort of upside to him. I think last year as well, he ended the season quite strongly. I'm looking forward to a bit more Isaiah Pacheco this year. I think that's why I'm just really keen on him in a couple of drafts here and there. So, I'm very, very excited, to be honest. He was free this time last year, too, where that won't be the case. Uh, McKinnon and CH are practically free, though. Tate, do you have any faith in these three? And of the two who aren't Pacheco, who do you favour? 
Uh, I do like Pacheco as a bit of a later dart throw at running back because, uh, you know, I, I sent you guys a little sort of article I wrote on uh, PFF's offensive lines and where I think that uh, players can actually, uh, you know, how they can have a good season off that. And I think Pacheco uh, definitely portrays someone that could actually have a good season because his offensive line in front of him is ranked third. Uh, so I think there actually is an ability for him to have a really good yards per carry mm. and have quite a good season because I think he is going to be the first and second down back. Uh, I don't think he's going to get a lot of the passing volume because I believe that's exactly why they have McKinnon and CH there. Uh, so, But I, I honestly think it's, it's funny because a few years ago with Andy Reid, you wanted the pass catching back, whereas this year I, with that good offensive line and just if you're looking for any kind of consistency, I think Pacheco is going to be that guy. He's going to be the one you want for a bit of consistency. Uh, I just don't know what yeah. you're ever going to get out of McKinnon and CEH. It's just going to be so random. Like there's going to be a McKinnon thirty piece. There's going to be there's going to be the game where uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire dominates. And you're like, oh, is he back? Uh, but really, it's just going to be Pacheco actually getting the consistent, uh, you know, fantasy output. Oh, funny. I just kind of wonder if Clyde Edwards Alaire on any other team actually has a role, but on this one, he's like their third. And, like, we didn't rank him. We've got – I'm the only one who's taken the time to f- go far enough to put McKinnon in there, and I put him at fucking 49. So, you know, my belief's not even high. But he had a role last year, and he was, he was catching touchdown passes. He was, uh, he was pretty involved. So, I've probably got to tweak his ranking a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out because volume is – it's one ball, right? And there's only 60 minutes, and then – They've got this mix of wide receivers who include guys like Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Of course, we've got Tony and Rice, their nice little rookie, Rashi Rice. Some of these guys are going to have a role. We haven't even talked about Sky Moore, who was there last year, who had a touchdown in the Super Bowl as well. There's there's a lot of people on that field to feed, and they're not even the big volume guy. Oh, boy, yeah. Mahomes and his mouse to feed. Oh, man. There is quite a few. I mean, yeah, you talked about running backs and wide receiver room. Oh, man. We're moving on to wide receivers, Matty, because, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited. excited I don't know what to make of them, man, John. There's so many of them. I'm excited for a bit of Kadarius Tony. Uh, I'm excited (laughs) for him. I think think he's got a chance to have a bit more of a a, a good role there. Uh, Just the rest of them, not really much. Excitement. I've been taking Tony in a few drafts here and there, to be honest. I think I think he's good late round value, especially being Mahomes' number one wide receiver. Especially the game he had in the Super Bowl and everything. I'm a bit bit hyped for Kadarius Tony. Remember he almost I think I think I had him in that Super Bowl in our fantasy game too. So it, it was real interesting. I've been riding that Tony wave. So, you know, I had that belief in him going into that Super Bowl. After that, that belief's a little bit higher. He is a ninth to tenth kind of round pick, right? So, you know, he's he's pretty late. Uh, but then, like, this offense is going to score points. And no one else really kind of rates a mention. Tay, are you buying any of these receivers at all? I actually can't remember seeing you draft any of them. Nah, not really. I've got one dart throw. I would say that I've like in a couple of mocks just seen right at the end of the drafts and it's Sky Moore. Um, he's the only one I've sort of like kind of looked at and it's just because of the draft capital 
from last season. Um, he didn't really flash or show anything last year. So this really isn't an eyeball test saying that I think the guy looks awesome or anything. It's just that I know they used up pretty high draft capital on him last year. And I know you've got Rasheed Rice that they've done the same thing for this year. But I always like to go the second year wide receivers instead of the first, just hoping that he's been in the system for a little while and, and uh, you know, learned something. And he's obviously with Mahomes, but... I'm not confident on it. It's like a full, it's a it's a Brendox fucking moonshot. Like it really is just at the bottom of your bench, just taking a moonshot on someone. But I really don't like this wide receiving core in terms of fantasy. I just think we're never ever going to know. We're going to know it's Kelsey, and we're never ever going to know week to week who else it is. <laughs> and beautiful segue into the guy who's going to eat up all the volume. It's going to be Kelsey, right? He's going to yep. be the 18 targets mm-hmm. a game guy. Yep. Yeah, Travis yeah. Kelsey, Taylor Kelsey, Trevor Kelsey, like whatever. It's like all these clones. Like it's just by he's the first, second, third, and fourth uh, read on that offense. Bingo. Yeah, fair enough. I was watching the highlights <laughs> of that game where he had the four touchdowns against the uh, against the Raiders too, and it's just like, well, it, he just can't stop. It. If if he wants to put himself in a position where he will catch the ball, he will do it, and you will have to submit, and he will beat you, and. Mahomes will just find the spot to put it in where only he can get it. And there's just nothing you can do about it. Everyone knows it's coming. I think we spoke about that with the Jags coming up against them in the playoffs. We were like, well, the Jags should just literally do everything they can to stop Kelsey. I'm pretty sure they did. It doesn't matter. It's just so big and and so agile. And he just does that thing where he just sort of runs towards the defender and he just turns. And it just seems unstoppable. Like It doesn't matter how many people you put on him. Mahomes is so good and Travis Kelsey is so good that they just have a mind meld and it's just impossible to stop. Cannot stop them. So, look, there's not a lot of surprise in what's going to happen for Kansas here. We agree. Mahomes is the top of his position. Kelsey is the top of his position. We've actually, we've seen drafts and I saw even Ian did this one the other day where he went and took Kelsey in the first round, Mahomes in the second round. Uh, so, it's, it's a legitimate strategy to stack that bitch up and know that you're leaving a draft within all likelihood Two guys who will very legitimately have a case to say that they are going to finish the top of those two positions and then take that positional advantage away from everybody else in the draft. It's a legitimate strategy. Whether it works or not, I'm not entirely sure how you build the rest of your team around it, but I I can definitely understand the reason why you would want to give that a bash. And I encourage people to mock draft and doing weird things like that because we're going to be back for the third show of the week with a mock draft. And I mean, I've had a bash of doing something like that early in the season. We've all tried picking from different spots. We've tried picking different combinations of people at the top of our drafts to show you that you're not married to the team. You mock draft, you hit refresh, and it's gone into the ether, and you don't have to think about that shite team or that awesome team. It never gets on the field for you. Mock drafts are 100% there for you to do the learning and playing around. Tay, you're the best person to talk about mock drafts because tell me what you've been doing all week. Uh, 600,000 million of them. Mm. And that's a, that's a legitimate number. It might be too low. I might have undersold it. Yeah. You're running <laughs> down. Um, and, and why are you doing that? Because I just like to try different options. I like to have a feel of what I'm going to walk into in the draft. I want to, if, if, if all of a sudden, you know, like things happen during the draft that you're not expecting, you can get rattled and you don't want to be tilting in your draft. So I, I try and go for as many scenarios that I'm possibly going to see in the draft. So I've got a bit of a strategy for whatever happens in front of me. So, you know, it, it's not perfect. Sometimes things happen that you're not expecting, but I, I just like that feeling of having an idea what's getting to me in a certain position. I 
I'll go to a 16-team league because I know I'm drafting from 16 in Astro. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just want to get that feeling of, you know, I'm, I'm not married to an exact way of doing things. I'm not walking in saying, oh, I'm taking quarterback here. I'm talking, I'm taking running back here. But I want an idea of what's coming to me. And that, that's why I like mocking and, and it's fun and you get to change it up each time. You've said, Matty, like your team's deleted. You're not married to it at the end. So you can try funky things and, and see what works for you. And, I've I've worked out a rough idea of what I think works for me in Astro this year, but again, I, I also have other ways I could do it too. So if things don't fall my way, then I can sort of adapt my strategy as it happens. Stay water, as they say. Yeah, you have used that stay water thing so often, but it's it's one hundred percent right. And man, John, I don't know. I've been seeing this uh, show called The Rehearsal on TV, where a guy is just plan out every possible scenario that could happen and then put somebody who isn't rehearsed into it and he knows he'll handle it because he's seen everything that someone could throw at him. That's obviously what Taylor's doing. Mate, have you had a bit of a bash at 16 team mock drafts knowing that we're going to be co-owning a team again this year and we were, well, we were the pits last year. Yeah, I did. I did a couple. Uh, I showed them in the chat this week. I did a couple. Uh, yeah, I feel like the first time was kind of bad. Kind of mid. Second time was probably the ideal, I think, case scenario for the free team. I, I would confidently say that I did well in that draft. I wouldn't say I win the draft. I, I'm I'm not going that far this year. I, I've learned my lesson. No more saying I won't draft. How will they right? know it's you drafting if you don't say that, though? Yeah, I mean, we're having the draft at a live venue this year. That so, is, yeah. yeah, I'm very excited, you know. Um for our Asher League live draft, meeting some of the new some of the guys for the first time. Um them meeting me for the first time ever. So that that'll be interesting. Um yeah, I think, you know, uh, uh yeah, I think, you know, maybe when it's in person I won't be so confident, I would say. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm I'm just gonna keep it low this year, you know. No, I'm not gonna win the draft this year. Let, let me just say it straight off. I'm not winning the draft like straight off. I'm just you can't win a draft. I mean, you can win on draft day, but it's not the be all and end all for your season. As I learned in that draft, I may have won the draft, but I didn't do the work afterwards to keep the team going well, especially when it was going downhill. So oh, we, we blew that fucker up. Yeah, it didn't start great, and we we really blew that puppy right up. <laughs> I've yeah, said this from up. the start though: like you don't win, you, you don't win it at the draft. And like I yeah. I reckon there's a lot of times I've won the title, and I've looked back and gone, man, I really didn't like that draft and turn out well but i've i've, I've but made waiver pickups i've made trades and and it's just sort of worked out for me you've got to take it week by week and you've just got to yeah. look for those sort of diamonds in the rough like me and maddie have done the buy a buy low and sell high shows halfway through the year and i feel like they really really help you sort of have a like you know take a big look at fantasy and go who are some guys that are probably undervalued right now and who's some guys i could even maybe sell that are overvalued that are yeah. on my team so, we are going to do more of those this year too. We've already discussed that is a segment that we just did not do enough last year that we need to spend time on this year. So it's you'll see me titles, especially at Astro for sure. Oh, yeah. because you do that. You come to the show, you do all this research, you bring it, and then you go and execute it in your leagues and you bear the fruit from it. So it's it's a really helpful thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, the thing you can learn from Taylor is that if you put the time and effort into just getting familiar with the scenarios that could be presented and having a bit of an idea of how you might react to them, then all of a sudden there's not a lot of surprises. Uh, and that the le- the years where I have played the best in leagues are the years where I felt the same thing. Uh, 
Um, so you really can get quite a lot out of it if you put the time in to do it. I mean, a lot of people are also just doing it for shits and gigs. Um, so they're not putting in that kind of time and effort. And that isn't the end goal. The end goal is to just have the fun. If your team goes, you know, four and 10, so be it. Uh, but for those who really get the thrill out of seeing their team evolve and turning it into a championship team, um, Tay is a good guy to follow and, and a great guy to listen to because the success is there. And, you know, I try to keep his ego and check a bit, but it, it yep. probably isn't working. Um, and I'm rightly, because the guy wins a lot. I'm a great guy to hell shit at too. Like, they, it's, I've got the full spectrum. You want to say I've done well, you want to say I've done shit. I'll take yeah. all of it. Yeah. And, I mean, I like that you won't put up with me calling you out. <laughs> you come right <laughs> back at me. Um, but I love that because, you know, the great thing about fantasy is you can argue to a blue in the face. And, and for those who caught the uh, the earlier show and, and Taylor and I were arguing to a blue in the face. But, you know, it, at the bottom of it all too, people have different ideas on where their value is. And, and it's just, it's such an imaginary sport that at the end of it too, you just laugh at it and think it's really funny that we're here we are. Our names on the Zoom call today too are... Zeke Smelliot and Ramondre <laughs> Sneezing Season. So it shows we're just not taking, you know, we get passionate about our stances, but it's, it is a game and it's not yeah. sheep stations, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Now, something interesting I saw um, recently also, just to finish off, yep. Andrew Locke has been one of the most added players on Sleeper. Yeah, I saw that like 39,000 people or something. Yeah, he's rusted on 49% of leagues. Like <laughs> something, so, someone knows some insider information. There. There, there's something going on here. So, yeah, I'm wondering what it is. It's probably like one of those Wall Street bets sort of things. I don't know. So, yeah, something yeah. interesting to keep your eye on. There. Watch his space. Should I go and pick up Gronk in a few leagues too? Do you reckon that, you know? Just while we're just talking about players who've just retired, who are uh, still iffy. <laughs> I did that yeah, last I mean- year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the Andrew Luck thing. Let's keep our eye on that, guys. Keep our eye on the prize. We might rank him uh, ahead of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. In fact, let's, yeah. I'm going to rank him ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo now. That'll help. Uh, everyone trying to win fantasy titles. Fellas, it's uh, it's like one o'clock in the morning, so I'm going to let you guys go to bed. Um, but we we still have that third show that you will catch. It is our most popular show of the year. Uh, every week, the Mock Draft show is the most popular. So make sure you come back and catch us for that Mock Draft because we've had big news this week. The market shifts, and we are doing them every week to make sure that you can see how our analysis plugs into what the market is doing. And I love doing Mock Drafts with you guys. Absolutely. Can't wait, mate. Same. All right. Let's go. farewell to everybody. We'll be back for show three. And for the Aussie Gridiron Network, come back and catch that mock draft. In the meantime, fellas, hoo-roo. Hoo-roo. Yeah, let's go. This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. B. John Robinson was the first string running back. City Lamb, Devante Adams, Garrett Wilson and Armin Ross and Brown. DK, Debo, Keenan Allen. Aussie. And then CMC. I'm going to go Debo. Equidistant. Bet you didn't think you'd be hearing that word when you got up this morning. NFL. Gibson, Dylan. Travis Kelsey goes at five. Charbonnet and Penny. Yeah. <laughs> I know it because you do not want to take Devonta Smith. You will just not fucking do it. Fantasy. Chig Onkonkwo and Damien Harris go next to wrap out the 12th round. Alan Lazard and Kendra Miller go in the 13th. All I know is Russell Wilson's shit. This is the Aussie NFL Fantasy Show. Zenasoli, Zenasoli. Yeah, it's an absolute <laughs> Whole position, 100%. <laughs>